Welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast with Matthew Eels. Mother, I've organised for you to go away. It's some kind of photo safari for at-risk kids. So lucky. Hello, everyone. The camera will be our instrument for telling our stories. Mother! And I wonder, what's yours? Mother, you're my niece and I love you, all right? But I want you to think about your future. What being independent means. Maybe that's without mum for a little while, okay? I've never been kissed. What? Oh, look at me, little curve. <laughs> I've got an opportunity here. Don't waste it. How do you know when a guy likes you? Likes you? What does the photo say about me? You're strong and brave. I don't need any of yous. How would you feel if we abandoned you? Been there, done that. Mum! Hey, 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 What's hey. next after this, Mara? What do you want? Hello, ancestors. Where are the girls? In the court! Go, now! Every picture has a story. Take the time to see the story that is in front of you. you got family here. Thanks, Uncle. Country offers you so much. So every picture has a story. Maybe we have one. That's the trailer for Sweet As. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. In this episode, I'm joined by Jub Clare the director and co-writer of the uplifting coming-of-age road movie Sweet As. I've been looking forward to recording an episode with Jub since I first met her while she was in post-production on Sweet As back in 2021. I remember chatting with Jub briefly at the time and I remember how passionate and enthusiastic she was about Sweet As. There was also a lot of buzz within the industry about the film and a lot of people were very excited for Jub making her debut feature film. Sweet As follows troubled 16-year-old Indigenous girl Mara, played by Shantae Barnes-Cohen, who finds herself abandoned after an explosive incident with her addict mother, played by Nairi Pigram. On the cusp of being lost in the child protection system, an unusual lifeline is thrown her way by her uncle Ian, Mark Cole-Smith, in the form of a unique photo safari. Before Mara knows it, she is careering down a dusty highway with a minibus full of at-risk teens and two charismatic team leaders. Will this be the lifeline Mara needs or the catalyst for her demise? Sweet As also stars Carlos Sanson Jr., Pedro Jackson, Michaela Levy, Andrew Wallace and Tasma Walton. Jub is from the Kimberley in Western Australia where she currently resides. Graduating from Whopper's three-year acting course, Jubb spent many years in theatre before moving into film and television, working on award-winning productions including The Circuit 1 and 2, Brand New Day, Mad Bastards, Satellite Boy, Jasper Jones and Mystery Road Season 2. What a lineup! Jubb has written and or directed short films, documentaries and TV series, as well as her debut play, The Fever and the Fret. In this interview, Jub discusses her upbringing and being surrounded by storytellers, including Jimmy Chai and the Pigram Brothers, 
Working on the turning, the parallels between her real-life experiences on her own photo safari and this film, and much more. Sweet As is in cinemas around Australia from June 1, but for those in the southwest of Western Australia, we'll be able to catch it at Cinefest Oz Albany when it screens on Thursday the 27th of April. I can't even begin to tell you how much fun I had recording this episode with Jub. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Anyway, enjoy. Jub Claire, thank you for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. It's very exciting to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. I'm excited to be here. Great. Um, I'm in a unique position here because Sweet As isn't officially out until later this month in some areas, uh, but I've been lucky enough to see the film three times so far. Uh, oh, my I, God. <laughs> I caught it at, um, at Cinefest Oz last year in August and uh, obviously programmed it for my festival, the WA Made Film Festival, and I watched it again prior to this interview. Uh, every time I see it, I've picked up on something different, uh, especially related to the um, younger people in the film. It's been a real treat because it's not very often that I get to re-watch a film in such a short period of time. Uh, it's a truly terrific film, Jub. so uh, congratulations on this one. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm really, um, I'm impressed you watched it three times, yeah. considering it's not out in cinemas yet. Yeah, yeah. No, as I said, a very privileged position here. But um, <laughs> uh, I mentioned that Cinefest Oz screening, which took place uh, late last year. It was one of the most rapturous uh, receptions to a film and a filmmaker that I've seen in a very long time, especially for an Australian film. Um, do you remember much of that moment? What was that moment like for you? And, that and was crazy. Yeah. I, I think I, I started to get a giggling fit because it was such a rock and roll moment. <laughs> I kind of walked out onto the red carpet and my crazy casting crew let me walk out by myself first. I turned around and no one was with me. And everyone, it was, I actually got a bit teary because everyone was just like shouting and clapping and cheering and and like a, some other like friends, family, um, crew and that were shouting at me from the sidelines on the other side of the, the barrier. And I was just like, this is like crazy. <laughs> it was a wonderful 20, moment. Later. Yeah. <laughs> and and you mentioned uh, Rockstar there. It was truly like a Rockstar moment. And even when you came into the cinema to do your speech uh, prior to the film, people were standing up and cheering oh. and shouting out from the <laughs> crowds. It's crazy. But I don't know. I mean, look, I've been in the industry for so long, yes. just doing my own thing, plodding along, working on so many amazing pro um, projects of all really dear close friends and new friends and and really just championing really great stories that I love that. And and I just treat everyone really, you know, I, I, I have, I'm a very um, optimistic person. So I treat people with a lot of love and respect and and over 20 plus years of being in this industry, uh, I think I've made some really amazing friends and colleagues and and they just all had my back at this this screening and and um and it was really super sweet and and I really genuinely, genuinely felt so much bloody love. Yeah. Um I just felt like, you know what I felt? I felt like I was just at like a big family gathering. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we were just having a party and a and a and a and a popcorn sleepover movie night. Really, <laughs> it really was a beautiful moment, and I'm so glad uh, I got to witness that. Actually, 
Um, since then, the film has uh, received great success uh, both at home and overseas, having won awards in Berlin, Toronto and Melbourne, which uh, Melbourne was prior to Cinefest Oz. But um, uh, what do, I'm wondering what awards mean to you as a creative? Do you know what I love about the rewards, the awards, um, is that people are understanding the story and it's resonating with them. And as a writer and a director and a filmmaker, hopefully you're making content that you want to change the perceived um, ideas of what an Indigenous person is and and who you are as a person, actually. And um, and and somehow, some way, our little film is is doing that. And that's what these awards mean. It means the recognition, not the accolades. I'm not an accolades girl, <laughs> but um, it's the recognition and it's the hope that more stories like this will get championed um, and that people will look inside themselves and around themselves a little bit more empathetically. That's such a beautiful answer, Jo. That's really <laughs> terrific. <laughs> Um, as I do with this podcast, uh, before we get stuck into talking about Sweet As, uh, I like to ask my guests about the past and their journey to get to where they are today. I'm curious to know, you you grew up in Western Australia, but where exactly did you grow up? Well, uh, um, traditionally, I'm a Kimberley woman. I'm a Nagala Jandu from um, Nunul and Yaru country, so I'm in Biggle Bay. And, uh, but I grew up in the Pilbara as well. Um, definitely shared uh, 50-50, you know, growing up in both those areas and I've got really strong family connections, you know, four or five generations of my family growing up in the Pilbara mm. and um, all married into all that mob there. So, um, yeah, and all my cultural ties and, and knowledge and that is 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 definitely around the Kimberleys. I live here now back home yeah. for a while. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's 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 where all my kind of childhood memories and adult memories um, are all intertwined through both those um, traditional countries. Yeah. And was storytelling a big part of your growing up? <laughs> it's all it was. <laughs> um, and really interesting, you know, because our mob, we never had written language. So yeah. everything that we did since the first sunrise was singing, dancing, painting, telling stories around the campfire. And that really translates into a modern Aboriginal lifestyle continued, you know. And um, and so I literally grew up going camping all the time, you know, sitting around the fire, getting told terrifying ghost stories that absolutely, <laughs> I don't know why they did that to us in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> but it was glorious. Um, and then, you know, just everyone sitting around the mango tree playing the guitar and and um, and so then, of course, the crazy opportunities with my family, Michael Jimmy Chai riding Brand New Day, mm -hmm. and so being able to go on tour with my mum and all my aunties and uncles and cousins and that for a good to close to four years, so from, from the age of 14 to <clears throat> 18, which crazily enough was straight after the photo safari I was on, like oh, the day after. Right. It was just the most surreal time for me um, as a young, impressionable teen, really metamorphosizing into this young adult, you know, and um, I had the most extraordinary influences. Yeah. So when did you know that this could potentially be a career for you? Oh, first, 
day on rehearsals for Brand New Day. (laughs) And I did know that when I picked up that camera, actually, that something that definitely triggered the courage that there was something else out there and and made me take off whatever blinkers I didn't even realise were on. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was all very, very, very amazing time of discovery for me. Oh, and uh, and I am here speaking to you as the co-writer and director of Sweet As, but uh, as you just mentioned, you um, you started off acting and, and you studied acting at WAPA. Uh, did you always intend to be an all-rounder when it came to filmmaking and this creative endeavour or, or did, did the writing and directing side of it come later? Well, I always knew that... When I wasn't acting, I had to do other things. I couldn't put all of my pennies into one basket. Is that the right saying? Yes, yeah. I feel like it should be eggs, eggs into Easter one coming. basket. Easter, yeah. Yeah, yes. Eggs in one basket, that's the one. I don't know why eggs have got anything to do with Easter and the bunny and all that. Anyway, that's another yarn. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I always wasn't, I always kind of like doing other things anyway. Um, I think I like. I like to learn new things and continue to learn and relearn. And um, but I, there were a lot of factors which I feel put me behind the scene instead of um, in front of the camera or on in you know on center stage with theater and film. Um, and that was definitely the the the. Uh, the absolute necessity necessity <laughs> to tell our own stories. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about some of those factors. What was it? Well, to be quite honest, like I spent, because I did come from a theatre background, yeah. I spent so much of my time in what we call rehearsals, rewriting so many scripts, so much content that was not from an, an Indigenous person. Yeah. And, you know, the when I started, you could barely count on your hand how many Indigenous writers or directors there were in theatre or film. And I remember very, very clearly one moment of standing in a foyer on an opening night where the writer was getting literal pats on the back um, for their incredible knowledge of Aboriginal people and really understanding the way that they talk and they feel, when I knew that we'd just spent weeks and weeks in the rehearsal rewriting the whole script because this person really had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I knew that they, because I'd seen it in my career, I knew that they were going to, them and someone like them before and other productions was going to get offered another job to write another play. And we'd be waiting for someone else to write these stories for us in the sidelines, broke, (laughs) with no upskilling, with no genuine credit. And I just kind of, something in me went, I feel a bit dirty. Something doesn't feel right. Um, And so I went, I've got to stop waiting for everybody and I've got to stop feeling like this and or complaining and not doing anything about it. Because we're notorious. Everyone in the world, I think, is notorious for complaining about everything and doing yeah. nothing about it. Yeah. And um, so I went, I'm going to start writing. <laughs> and I got this amazing opportunity because Screen West 
had just hired or created their first Indigenous film coordinator role in the in the operations in the corporation, yes. and um, Auntie Lynette Narkul yes. was the first Indigenous film um, coordinator at Screen West. And I remember her walking in one day to Yiriakin where I was working, and um, and she just came in. She goes, "Any of your mob got an idea for a film?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. "Me and my mum were like, yeah." an idea a couple of other mob and back then because there were no indigenous you know in wa i reckon one i mean uh, maybe two but i'm feeling like just one person was doing content indigenous person was doing content in the film sphere yeah film and tv in wa um and so back then the initiatives were really really raw and they were really like we know no one's got can tick boxes of going what production they've been on and da 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 because there was nothing, no one there. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, do you have a do you have a poem that you wrote or do you have an idea? And they surrounded you with the people that knew how to help you tell your story. Um, it was amazing, mm-hmm. and um, and that's how I did my first short. That's um, uh, that is a fantastic story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. You you mentioned your uncle Jimmy there. Uh, was he an inspiration for you? You know, yes, of course. Um, uh, but all my family definitely because Uncle Jimmy, of course, was um like Uncle Stephen Pigram mob with the Pigram brothers. Yeah. They were all sitting around the mango tree singing and writing songs and stuff like that. And and like all my other uncles were as well. And Uncle Jimmy put it to paper and and wrote a musical and and so they're all inspirations. And um but yeah his legacy his legacy is definitely an inspiration. He went on to do Corrugation Road. He had so many other amazing ideas and and I just wish he was with us, you know, that we didn't lose him so soon. And um, I'm sure some other incredible, creative, magical thing would have come from him for sure. Yes, definitely. You can feel it. Um, I'm curious to know, is acting something that you've now put behind you or can you see yourself returning to it? Or... Well, you know, it's really funny. I was I was offered a role, like just, just offered a role recently. Yeah. With a really beautiful friend of mine. Mm. Um, and I couldn't do it because it it was um I was in the middle of post and stuff like that and and but I thought wouldn't it be funny because I don't think I've done any acting for maybe like proper acting I've I've, I've been like a where's Wally on on some of my friends' film sets yeah yeah <laughs> um, that I've worked on mm. but I always thought it'd be interesting what sort of an actor would I be now. I know that that acting experience that I had and the training that I had um, really is an incredible aid being a director and understanding the, the the character arcs and the journey that the actor needs and 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 um, you know what really helps push that character across the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what I I mean I. I I don't know if I'd say yes or say no. I just feel so busy now. Yeah, I don't even yeah. know how I could take the time out to do rehearsals or um, maybe a film thing where you come on set for. But no, not it's not it's not something that I'm looking for. But yes, you yes. know, like if one of my crazy friends went, "There's this role for you," and <laughs> it'll, it's only four days shoot, I'm like, "Yeah, okay, maybe." <laughs> <laughs> 
it's uh, I guess it's always good to um you know to uh, uh to keep one foot in the door I suppose. Yeah, but I love opening that door for other actors as well. And yes. that's another thing too. I have other little things that I've been offered. I've gone give that to a working actor because they need that that's their job, you yes. know. That's their yes. profession. I don't want to take food off their table, you yeah, know. True. Yeah, that's that's very good. <laughs> Um, before we get into Sweet As, I, I want to ask you about one of my favourite Australian films, and that's The Turning. Um, uh, oh, you, nice. you directed the chapter uh, abbreviation, which must have been one of your first directing gigs, really, was it? Yeah, well, it, I had, um, so I directed my first short story time, yes. um, which I wrote, <clears throat> and then I did um, Music Men and Min Min Light, um, and a, and so many mini docs for yeah. ICS, mm-hmm. like I think about twenty five, um, and but then yes, the turning was definitely um, one of my bigger shorts, yes. and I think that was maybe my third short. Right, right. I, I'm I'm really curious to know about um, how the experience was for you and and how your involvement in that one came about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing because I can picture it all. Um, <laughs> It was just such an amazing chance because Lizzie, Lizzie Carney and I, yes, um, yes. she's one of my besties. I'm so blessed that she's also my producer. Right. And um, we happened to catch up with it by randomness, catch up and see each other across the street one day when I had ventured from the Kimberley down to Perth and we, like, went, oh, my God, what are you doing in town? Because she was living in Melbourne at the time and I, yeah. and, um, and I was like, what? Yeah, it was the whole thing and we ran off and screamed and shouted and jumped up around in circles and went and had lunch. Um, and then a couple of days later she rang and she goes, hey, we're looking for a WA director for the tourney. Yeah. And we were laughing and she going, you know, it's just so bizarre because I was thinking who could it be, who could it be, and then, I know that I, I I hope that eventually I would have just come to your name anyway, but it was definitely <laughs> that meeting in the street that just yeah. made her go, oh, bloody hell, job, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it was such an amazing thing because it was a big project to come on board with, with really big names and, and really amazing um, filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of discussion around whether I was the right person for the job. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I remember them kind of going, give us a wish list of DPs, okay? And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, if you say wish list to me, I'm talking, I said the DP of Emily Pullan and bloody, <laughs> you know, what's bless him, Andrew Lesney, after Brand New Day and that. And um, and I said, and Jeffrey Simpson. And, um, and they were like, they all came back to me, all the funding agents were like, we said a wish list, not <laughs> like a your dream and crazy chick and literally Jeffrey Simpson I had messaged him and I'd said hey Jeffrey do you want to come and shoot a Tim Winton film with me in the Kimberleys um and uh, that was my literally my email no more no less yeah. and I got back an email from him saying is the Pope Catholic yes. and uh, <laughs> and so once I got Jeffrey on board everyone was like yes and and we we were the last ones to film the turning, oh. and um, we had something like three or four days to shoot. And we I picked dry season here in Broome. Yes. And the first day of shoot was the biggest torrential rain in the history of that time oh of the year my in the Kimberleys. 
Unbelievable. It was hilarious. But I love being thrown crazy things. Mm. I never get afraid of them. Uh, I love plan B, C, D, E, F, G. So I'm like, what does the film look like now? There's nothing we can do about the weather. So what are we going to do? And um, we just waited for a little while and people were trying to protect all of the equipment and (laughs) Lizzie had locked herself in the car rocking backwards and forwards. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and then there was like this tiny incy-wincy break of, of sunlight as the sun was going down we hadn't shot one single thing um and we just shuffled the 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 schedule and shot one of the scenes that we thought would be good to shoot at the end to let the young actors get to know each other Mm. it was the kiss scene yes um and we're like we've got no time this is the golden hour there's a tiny bit of light let's (laughs) shoot and we got the most beautiful scene of the film yeah. and everything else after that just seemed like a blessing. So yes. it yeah. was, you know, the, the water that was aqua blue had turned red because oh. of all the pindan running off into the water. Yes, yes. So it, all the landscape just kind of changed and morphed for us and we just ran with it. Wow. Unbelievable. I would <laughs> never, you'd never pick that up watching it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, you all did such a terrific job. Were, were you it was working, amazing. It was you, amazing. And the parties were incredible because, you know, there was like 12 or 14, I think, 12 um, filmmakers and act. And then, of course, all of the, the team that came with that and Kate Blanchett and Hugo yes. Weaving, David Wenham, everybody was there. Everybody was there. It was amazing. Now, you mentioned that you've been in the industry for, you know, 20 plus years. Uh, were there people involved uh, with that abbreviation shoot that you knew of in the industry? Did you feel like you were surrounded by friends as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Stewie um, Morris came and was my first. And I'd, I'd actually um, met Jeffrey on another project where I was extras casting coordinator um, and casting director. And um and I had a, a couple of young crew here from Broome, um, Indigenous crew that I wanted to upskill and get onto a set. So I got them on set with me. Um, one of them was Gary Hamaguchi, actually, who's doing amazing stuff in the industry. I'm so proud of him. And, um, uh, yeah, just uh, there were new people, people that I'd never met before. So amazing. Um, really excited to be there with us. And, yeah, old and new. I love that. I love that oh, nice mix. Terrific. I'm so glad I asked you about that one. I didn't know if I was going to go back to the turning there, but I'm so glad I did. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Um, so let's move on to Sweet As. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's a truly terrific film. And I'll admit that the first time I watched it, I didn't recognise the depth that a lot of these characters have, especially the younger ones. Um, but, oh, you know, watching it multiple times, they're, they're quite complex. Uh, so I'm really mm. looking forward to, to talking about this one with you. Um, but to begin with, I remember when the film was first announced to the media uh, as it was going into production, uh, in the press release, it was mentioned that Sweet As was the first Australian feature film written and directed by a Western Australian Indigenous filmmaker. Uh, that That's an incredible achievement. Uh, how aware of this were you at that time? I was very aware of that mm. as a, you know, as a First Nations filmmaker in this country. We, we always track how our mob are going. Yeah. And I was very aware that even when I got West Coast Visions, being the first woman to get it, 
but also the first Indigenous person to get it, um, to then go and shoot knowing that I was the first West Australian Indigenous person to um, write and direct a feature film. Um, And I was so proud of that, but I was also pretty devastated because I didn't want to be the one to be the first. I was hoping by 2022 I was the 20th or the 30th. (laughs) But... um, that so was a great honour. It's, you know, something that I'll always be really proud of, always, but there's that bittersweet feeling that why did it take that long? Yes, yeah, and I, I, I really, really hope that this is going to open up the doors for many more Western Australian Indigenous filmmakers. But yeah. I do remember reading that uh, that statement as well and I just remember thinking, hang on, we're in 2022 here. How can that possibly be the case? <laughs> Yes, and my sister Mitch Torre, she had done a feature docudrama with Jandamara's War. Right. Um, but yes, this was the first feature. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, congratulations on that one. That's, Thank uh, you. As, as you Thank say, you so I, much. I understand that it must be bittersweet for you, as you just said. But yeah, it's it's also worth celebrating as well because absolutely worth yeah. celebrating, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so you uh, earlier you did mention the photo safari and uh, Sweet As is based on your experience as a teenager on a similar photo safari uh, as the kids are on this film. I call yeah. them kids, but they're not really kids, are they? They're, they're, they're young adults. Young adults, yes. yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you, without getting too personal, obviously you can speak of it however you want, but uh, can you tell us about that time for you on this photo safari? Yeah, it was amazing. And, and this is the crazy thing is when... I was doing research into the photo safari once we had kind of gone, yeah, this is the bloody story. Um, I found out that it was for at-risk kids. I didn't know that when I was on it. Wow. Nobody went, hey, you guys are troubled. Get on a bus and let's travel around and take photos. Yeah. It was, hey, this is a photo safari. You guys have been selected. Come and have some fun. Yeah. Um, so there was no kumbaya moments. There was no... I have no idea what the other kids were on the trip for. We just thought we got we're, we're lucky. I did wonder why there were so many naughty kids <laughs> with me because yeah. this is a, this is an interesting thing too. It really cemented the fact for me that half the reason why people are at risk is because they don't know they're in it. Yes, they don't recognize it. The, the the normality of of whatever trauma they're going through or problems is so ingrained in them that they don't see it as being something that's not right that it's you know this is this is at risk and it's not being a juvenile de- you know border of juvenile detention or anything it's just something is not going right um and the people around me obviously were were aware enough to go job needs to be on this trip which i really am so grateful for yeah. uh and and it it really changed it really did change something for me it reset me it 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 definitely almost dug another path that I could go down that road or I could go down that road and the road that I was looking at looked much more shinier than the other one that I was heading towards <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. well what <laughs> was it that thing. what was it that reset you then was it the photos was it the people you were with was it being on the land it was what, all what of was it. it yeah it was all of it. it it was the people that I was with um I did and it's so super embarrassing but I did like get a massive major first ever crush my first teen crush ever on one of the on one of the trainee photographers. Um, oh, so embarrassing. <laughs> um, but you know, it was that was a huge 
that was a huge awakening for me as well. You know, I, I back in the 80s, I'm giving my age away now, but there was no bottled water, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, there was yeah. no internet. Um, you were 14 when you were 14. And um, f- as far as I was concerned, boys were dumb and had germs and were yeah. stupid. And then I met this beautiful young man who I was going to run away and join the circus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that, was a awakening for me and also I had never been away from my family before in my life yeah and I had never been asked which is fine you know what families are like but yeah. I I would never really been asked what I wanted to do yeah and all of a sudden I didn't have to I felt this freedom that I'd never experienced and not that I was stifled by my family uh, you know, normal like family stifleness. I suppose they care for you and want to look out for you. Therefore, they might be stifling. But um, I just had no one on my back, yeah. and in that teen angst that you go through, just having a moment to exhale, um, was something that obviously for me was um crucial in where I could see myself in a future, yes. and. I loved the camera. I loved what I could take in and in my quiet time, because I went away, all of us actually were encouraged to go in separate directions and explore the landscape. And I think doing that and just stopping and looking at things and going, what is the beauty in this moment? Um, Just did something for me. Yeah. Amazing. You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at cinemaaustralia.com.au. Uh, uh, you mentioned that teen, teen crush there, and that is something that's <laughs> featured in the film. Are all of these characters based on people that you met during that time? No, well, no. see, that's the thing, because I didn't know what they were there for. I, yeah. All of the stories of these young characters basically almost like my Christopher Robin moment. Mm. It's like Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and Piglet and all that are different personality traits of Christopher Robin. Yes. Um, yes. And also um, a lot of my nieces, a lot of my nephews, my aunties, my uncles, Indigenous people in general, the, 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 what we go through in society, yeah. the intergenerational trauma, the socioeconomical, economic differences, the you know, land displacement, stolen generations, everything that kind of defines different moments of us being at risk um, are definitely compounded into all these different characters. Yeah, yes. That's tremendous, Jal, but um, it's uh, it's such a good way of explaining it. Um, yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Re- really, really well. <laughs> yeah. Um, you co-wrote the film with Steve Rogers. So how did that yes, collaboration come about? Because that's an interesting one. I know, right? <laughs> I love Stevie Rogers so much. <laughs> He's such a good egg. Yes. He's such a good egg. He's so generous and kind and funny and nurturing and empathetic. And he's a true ally. And I had, um, he came on board as a, a dramaturg on my first play, The Fever and the Fret. My first and only play at the moment, by the way, yeah. um, which won the Kate Chalice Award. <laughs> yes, yes, I read that last night. <laughs> and um, and I knew that when I was going to write this film, I wanted someone on my team that I could bounce off very easily and, you know, 
could really speak to the non-Indigenous characters as well in the, yes. in the film yeah. and the teens. He's got teen children. And I just love being around him. He never, when he was my dramaturg, he never told me what to write. Yeah. He'd always, the question was, and then what happens? And what's after this? And it was always about a massaging of the journey instead of saying, and I think we should write this next and this is what they should say next. And he was very clear that we went on when we started. He goes, Jubby, I don't want to touch any of the Indigenous content. Yeah. And, um, you know, that that would be a given with us anyway, but it was just yeah. nice hearing him vocalise it. Yeah. And so Stevie was with me in the very first early um, drafts and really we worked so amazingly together to eke out who are the people on our trip, um, what what is our our character arc, you know what's going on here, and then, um, and then of course, you know, it took us almost ten years for this production, this film to be done. So, after a couple of years, Stevie had to um, go and do all of his amazing, wonderful things, and he generously left me with so much amazing Indigenous con. I'm sorry, not Indigenous content. <laughs> not so much amazing content to <laughs> then really delve deeper into who these amazing pussycats are. And then I got the incredible Louise Goff came on board and and just helped me massage the last couple of drafts. Yeah. And um and then Sweet As was born through yeah. the most gen generous, incredible beauty of these you know, Stevie and and definitely Louise as well. Yeah, and and I love hearing uh, about Steve being involved in projects because he he really is a special part of the Australian film industry uh, and artistic community as well. But have you seen Steve's recent film, The Land? I haven't, but I've seen the trailer for it. It looks amazing. I it's really phenomenal. can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really moody and atmospheric. I think and... anything he touches is just gold. And, yeah. and his characters that he, you know, I see him in so many Australian films too yeah. now and I just go and theatre, yeah. but mainly, uh, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to see theatre for a while because I live in Broome. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, just I just... Stevie just brings so much um, thought into his characters when when he's there. He's so present, and I, yes, I, yeah, and and he's mostly a supporting character when he is on yes. screen. But this one really puts him at the forefront. To he's the main character here. I cannot it's wait. To see it. Yeah, see it, see it. I really recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mentioned the complexities of these younger characters, and and some of their traumas do run quite deep, which you spoke about there as well. Um, but I'm just wondering, what's your process? Uh, when writing such younger characters and keeping their personalities authentic without becoming cliched? Because I guess that's the biggest risk here is becoming mm. one big cliche. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and uh, my teens, the interesting thing about being a mature age person writing teen characters, at least I have some memory of being a teenager. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it would be harder for a younger person to write an older character because there's yeah. no lived experience. But, yeah, I'm sure they've done it and I'm sure it's amazing yeah. and power to you. Um, and it's also the the beautiful um, discovery of maybe writing a character that is not cliché because you're discovering and creating something new anyway. Um, but I did take on around a lot of my family members, a lot of my nieces and a lot of my family's children and friends' children and my own child and she's a teen and wow. she's, and um and I just remembered all of that and and I celebrated 
how cool they are. They're really cool. I don't like talking to children, young adults like they're little tiny people. They're, yes. they're kind of really clued on, especially this day and age. Yes. They are so different. Like I said before, when I was 14, I was 14. I wasn't 14 going on 35, which a lot of these young adults are. Yes. So yes. the, the content that they've got, the, mm. the knowledge that they've got and the accessibility to it and the conversations that they're having, amazing. They're, they're, they're you know, what we see as being woke is their normality. They, yes. they are yeah. so onto everything. And yeah. so also you don't saturate them with dialogue either you don't pretend to put words in their mouths and and that should be a great thing anyway with script writing film script writing because you need to see it more than you say it um otherwise you're doing a play (laughs) and um and so it 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 was just taking that time to go every single you've only got a certain amount of pages otherwise you're going to write a three-hour film yes um and so your lines your words that you choose have to be very they have to be placed really well, or hopefully anyway, on the page so that you, you're you getting the most out of what your characters need to say and portray. Yes. And um, I think it was also that, just letting them sit in the moment um, and, and just, and also trusting. So that's another thing I did too. Once I gave the script to my actors, because even Shantae was saying, oh, I'm a bit nervous about playing you. And I'm like, you're not playing me, baby. You're playing yourself. Yeah, you're yeah. playing Mara. Mm. This is not my film anymore. It's yours. Mm. Um, this is completely go and do with it what you need to to make to to make it feel like it's yours. Yes. Um, and so it's all that stuff that really helped cement a really beautiful performance from all of our young actors. I, I, I I'm just so proud of them, especially you know what was a really incredible moment for me on set was that our two young Indigenous actors had more acting experience than the non-Indigenous actors. And I've never yeah. in my life been on a set where that's ever happened. That's very and true, yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And our two non-Indigenous actors had never acted before in their lives Yes, yes. Um, yeah. on a film set. And mm. so, or theatre or anything, they were actually in film school yeah. and um, acting school. And um, so it was just... Uh, it was just such a beautiful moment to look at our young Indigenous actors saying, oh, this is first positions and you've got to come over here and da-da-da and this is what this means and da 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 And I was like, oh, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> it's terrific, yeah. Um, and you mentioned Shantae there. I, I truly believe that uh, she's one of the best actors working in this country at the moment. I feel like everything that she does, she is such a standout in it. Uh, can you can you tell us a bit about working with Shantae and, and what she brought to this performance? Shantae is such a, oh, it's hard to explain someone like Shantae because they are this truly, this, this, anomaly that of pure gift and who just when the camera finds them the camera just goes I'm just going to sit here forever in my happy place (laughs) and um because she just has to think something and we feel it in a deep core Shantae is so shy and just so beautifully quietly spoken and respectful um, to those around her, to, you know, her, she took beautiful direction um, and she 
just allows other people around you. She's not a domineering leading character. Yes. And um, it was just so beautiful. And you, you kind of could all, because of her shyness, you could almost be mistaken that is she going to get what I'm saying? And then you call action and then it's like magic and fireworks and and she knows exactly what's going on. Yes. <laughs> so, and um, she really just and the and with her co-stars around her, um, they were all just bouncing off each other, and and they all became really quickly very very close. Um, and I'm not sure of of how old Shantae is, but um, uh, you know everything that you've just said uh, is testament to the fact that she's worked with filmmakers like yourself, and now she's worked with. Um, uh, Warwick Thornton, uh, Warwick Thornton, and she's done the uh, Wormwood films. She's she's just going from strength to th- uh, strength to strength. Yes, I just hope she does so much more. Yeah, like yeah. I really, really do, and I hope the industry, you know, I always hope. Doesn't matter really who. I hope the industry is always looking after and out for each other. But I do find that with young Indigenous um, actors, um, that and especially young men, um, that the industry seems sometimes can chew them up and spit them out. Um, And so I was very, you know, I spoke really um, openly with Shantae and Pedre's mum and dad about the industry that I know that I've been growing up in. And um, just, just to, I was always really aware of that and of going just... Just keep an eye out, have each other's back, just look out for each other. Um, there's a lot of things that glitter but that aren't exactly gold. And yes, so, <laughs> yes, yes, that's very good. Yeah. Uh, I, actually, I interviewed uh, Shantae down at Sydney Fest. I was very quickly, I had a brief chat with her and I asked her, what, what are you doing next? And she said, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, but I am doing stuff. So <laughs> that was great to hear. It's good to hear. It's always great yes. to hear that she's still working and, have, and has something else going on. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, now, you just uh, mentioned the other um, uh, young actor there, Pedre. Uh, he's also terrific in this film, but I'm wondering what inspired his character's name, Elvis, because it's it's great. <laughs> Elvis, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, Are you an Elvis fan? Or? Oh, you know, I love, I, I'm, an, I'm as much as an Elvis fan as anybody else. I'm not yes. like a crazy, I'm going to travel to Graceland person, but... Yeah. Um, but there's just so many people around me that are named so many interesting names, uh, named after inanimate objects or, I mean, a lot of that did come from uh, them not having, like our elders not having birth certificates and yes. so they're just given names from the station owners. Mm. Um, uh, and so like Brumby or Two Jack or yeah. Three Two Bob or... You know, all sorts of names, and there was quite a few Elvises floating around in the next generations. Um, and so I'm like, well, here's another Elvis in this generation. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, can you talk to us a bit about uh, your first few days on set? Did everything go to plan? Were, were you prepared? Yes. Yeah. Look, I, I, um, I was just. I had a lot of friends on the set with me, um, a lot of people that I'd worked with on all of these other productions that I'd done, and I'd made sure that I had people that had worked outside of the city as well. It, you know, when you're going into hard terrain and really hard country, it's best to have people that you know are war ready. Yeah. 
um it's like it's like bear grills in in the foreign legion you know and uh <laughs> and it was just such a joy it was so amazing i'm pretty sure i had a little cry um my darling lizzie couldn't be there for the first day of shoot because oh. she had to rush back to melbourne to have a baby um and which was just devastating for her because we'd worked together for 10 years or more and we'd been you know working on so many other things together for the turning um How selfish of her How selfish of her to have Nettie. <laughs> um <laughs> and it was just such an amazing moment and to have Stewie as my first and you know coming from the turning with me and, and all these other things um you know the circuit yada 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 mm. and I Katie Milwright, my DP, what an absolute goddess. Yeah. Um, we she she had because we shot this through COVID, and I remember she had to get a phone call saying you have four hours to get to the airport because they're about to shut the borders yes, down. Yeah, yeah. And she quickly rushed to the school, wrapped her baby up in her arms, and said, I'm gonna have to go. Kiss, kiss, hug, hugs, cry, cries, jumped on a plane, literally landed in Perth as the border closed behind her. Unbelievable. And did all of pre in quarantine. Yes. yes, Um, yes. The rest of pre in quarantine. Um, So we were sending her images from about the reckeys and da 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 and having all those conversations. And then her and I would jump onto Zooms for so long. And, um, we had our beautiful, we were working on our um, programs of um, good note and scriptation to really kind of go and using um, shot deck and, and um, or correlating what this world looks like. And then when she finally got to Port Hedland and we hit the ground running, yeah. um, we did a lot of overtime <laughs> Personally, shh, don't tell anybody, but just to really get the, I'd go and jump in the shots and, you know, our beautiful um, crew, when they got wind that we were doing it, a lot of them came along and went, and here, what about this? And da, 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 da. Everyone just wanted to be there, which was so beautiful. Mm. They just wanted to create. They really loved, a lot of them did say, which made me super proud that when they read the script, they were like, not only, of course we'll do it because Jubby's doing it. <laughs> the script is fantastic. And so everyone was keen as a jelly bean yeah. and we all worked so hard together. It was heartbreaking because not only did we get locked out of WA, but we got locked out of state. Yes, um, yeah. Sorry, out of um, regions. Yes, yeah. And we couldn't go from the Pilbara to the Southwest. Mm-hmm. And so I remember Liancy going, I only have one copy of that costume it's not gonna work I need doubles and I was just my I I knew how hard everybody was working yeah um and really and the community came on board like no one's business going what do you need and da 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 and and um we made it work and I know that those guys pushed themselves so much more because of what we had what we needed to work with what we had and what we didn't um and so when the first day of shoot in the first couple of days and just seeing the world and the text coming to life and knowing that that scene that I'd been writing for 10 years has just been shot, yeah, that was extraordinary oh, and yeah. terrifying. Yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> I'm um, like, oh, my God, it's done. <laughs> it better be right. Yes, yeah, that's it. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, was COVID something that was always in the back? You mentioned the lockdowns there and the the state shutdowns. Was uh, COVID something that was in the back of your mind the whole time? Um, no, not the whole time. Yeah. It couldn't be. Otherwise, yeah. I would have been crippled by it. Yeah, good. It's like, good. how are we going to get this scene shot? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 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 you just and you felt like it was going to be right because you had all your cast. Yeah. yeah. Um. We did have a shuffling of cast because of the lockdown, but everything happens for a reason. And I and it's like what they say, you couldn't see anybody else in that role. And that's yes. exactly how it transpired. Yeah. And um, and it was just so beautiful and generous. It, it, even the people that couldn't make it over were just so apologetic and because they genuinely couldn't come because of the lockdowns. And um, the people that came on board were just so amazing and and everyone was there was no like there was nothing but goodwill everywhere. It was so beautiful. Um, I do recall Lizzie and James Grandison, who was our line producer, um, saying that either they had never been on or it had been a very, very long time that they had been on a set where not one single complaint throughout the shoot ever happened um, from anywhere. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, we just all worked so hard Mm. and so joyously like it was just fun and yeah. everyone just shone everyone was amazing I loved it uh, I've been on a few film sets before uh, for for press duties and it, it always does feel so serious um granted they were dramas and uh, sci-fi films and things like that but I want to be on one of your sets <laughs> yeah there was a lot of I, I, I think what well, I don't know if it I can't remember who it was but they were like it's really strange hearing the director laugh first when there's a mistake <laughs> 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 um so I'm uh, like, oh my god that was hilarious do it again <laughs> oh that's very funny um we spoke earlier about sweet as being the first feature film directed by a west australian indigenous filmmaker but it's also the only feature film to have shot in the uh, iconic Karajini national park which yes. is also incredible um Woo! firstly uh, can you tell us about being welcomed to the area by the traditional owners it was amazing. It was um, so extraordinarily important and precious because we knew what we'd just achieved um, and it wasn't that we got in contact with anyone three months before. This was years in waiting and talking and listening and making sure everybody knew who we were, what we were wanted to achieve, how we are going to achieve it and the proper, proper, proper protocols. Um, and when we got the permission, something like, I feel like 12 hours before shoot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is fine because I was like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, we've got plan B. Here yeah. I am again with my great plan Bs. Um, <laughs> but just it wasn't a huge welcome. It was an acknowledgement that we had been given permission and then one of the elders came down and that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And he and he was so, you know, it wasn't a fuss. That It wasn't a big like, it wasn't, it was exactly what it needed to be and it was, we had already had all the conversations, everybody knew what was going on and what, they had assigned one elder to come down and welcome us and to see exactly if our words were true. And he was hung, hung around for about half an hour and could see the genuine respect that all my cast and crew had for country. Mm-hmm. 
and for the custodians. And he was like, oh, yep, you'll be right. And then he was gone. <laughs> he must have had a feeling that it was all going to he go. He did, well. he did. Yeah. And, you know, I was very lucky because I could mention my mum and uh, she's like the golden ticket. And they're right. like, yeah, hey, Sylvia. <laughs> yeah. Yep, all right then. Yeah. Sylvia's daughter. So do you have a personal connection to the area and the place? Or... Well, I mean, I, 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 on the actual trip that I went on, it was definitely one of the places that I, I we took photos at. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd been there a couple of times through my life. Um, but I know personally I have family that are married into the families that are traditional owners around there. Um, as saying, you know, my family had been in the Pilbara for five generations and um, definitely have all those married in, intermarriage relationships with everybody and my family, um, my mum and my uncles and my grandparents, much loved and respected members of the Pilbara community. Um, so it was, um, yeah, it was, it, it, that's my connection and my deep love and respect for being born in Pilbara country and growing up and schooling and knowing a lot of the people now that are my age that are um, stepping up into their communities. And But the, another interesting thing too that people have to remember that film sets and filmmakers are not as important as what's going on with native title and with, mining companies and with really day-to-day living so when we come in guns are blazing with our requests we are very little in the pecking order for them for their survival and so I, I don't come in like we're the most important people on your agenda today it's like when can we speak to you when is it convenient for you that we can speak to you I I know because I know my own mob and I know my own noted noted title people um, and, yeah, what our priorities are. And um, yeah, we appreciate stories and appreciate people telling, especially, you know, Indigenous mob telling stories for Indigenous people. Um, but we also have, can you, this is what our plate, we've got on our plate right now and can you just wait to talk to us when we're ready. So yeah. it's all of that sort of stuff too. Job, you're a very unique filmmaker because just hearing those words coming out of your mouth, you know, it proves that you're you're not all about yourself. You are aware of where you're shooting and and your surroundings. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Big respects for all the mob, all the different yeah. traditional owners everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there? Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Is there anything, uh, anything else that you wanted to say about that? You know, these native titles and what is happening there with uh, mining companies. Well, yeah, look, uh, oh, God, the biggest thing right now to talk about is the yes vote. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and that will help all of that in the long run. Personally, I know there's some people that have their own opinions, but for me, knowing the people that have been coordinating this, they didn't just make up the idea two years ago. This has been people that have been working their entire lives, people like Uncle Pat Dodson who, you know, since he was a very young man, uh, has been working towards the betterment and the voice of our people in Parliament. Mm. It's not an idea that they came up with overnight, so I know that whatever they've worked towards. Anyway, I'm getting very going off topic here, but I'll be voting yes. Yes, Um, good, good. And I hope that other people do, and I hope that um, we do get a voice in Parliament 
because it, the, having the voice at the table can help push through all the other things that countrymen want, the treaty, you know, everything else will come from getting a bloody voice. Yes, yes. So I hope it happens. So. Oh, we can and if vote. anyone's going to vote with bloody Pauline Hanson and Barnaby <laughs> Joyce to vote no, then fucking hell, we're never going to get your yes vote anyway. So yes, exactly. Anyone, who was exactly. On, anyone that was on the fence who didn't know what to vote, just don't vote with Pauline Hanson. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And, uh, and also we have uh, Ken Wyatt uh, quitting the Liberal Party, I think, yesterday or, or this morning. Yes, he quit the Liberal Party. Yeah. And another young Liberal guy quit the Liberal Party because they're like, what? Yes, yeah. Yeah, um, we're probably getting a little bit too political here and it could be a, a huge discussion for another time. <laughs> but um, I've got a couple more questions here. Uh, do you think the younger you would be proud of yourself today and, and what she has achieved so far? Yes, 100%. And only because the younger me also truly believed that, you know, you, you people make mistakes but you can't have regrets. That's it. That's it for me. Otherwise, if I linger on the regrets, you'll get nothing done. You just got to keep on moving forward. Yes, well done, well done. Um, uh, so I have a final question here, which I ask all of my uh, podcast guests, and uh, the answers are, are, are fairly interesting because most of the time, a lot of people answer with the same uh, film. But have you seen any Australian films lately that have really stood out for you? Ah, oh, The Drover's Wife. Oh, yes, the legend of yes, Molly Johnson. Yes, you're the what? first one to say that. Fantastic. Wow, wow that, what a film. Yeah. What a film. What an epic tale told from a unique perspective um, with an incredible female heroine. Um, just cinematography to die for, landscape, story, soundscape, composition, acting. It's got the whole kit and caboodle, yeah. and what I just loved, and I, and also, there were so many. I mean, talking to Leah later and Bain, there were little things that I, I was like, was that that da 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 da? And they're like, yeah, sis, because when that happened, an actual wind really did come. So there were actual oh. cultural connotations that I could pick up from it as well. That I was like, did you do that for that? And they're like, yeah, and this happened, and a da da da, and a new country was. Must have been talking to her like it was talking to me while we were filming, and I just it just resonated with me in fifty thousand different ways, yeah. and I just love it. I love it. It's beautiful, and she wrote, directed, produced it, and starred in it. Nice, she's like the female Ivan Sen. If she yes. starts composing, everyone will be in for trouble because <laughs> Ivan doesn't even act in his films. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's true. She starts <laughs> composing them and uh, and doing the cinematography and drone shots and everything. Then yes, yeah. and I have to say, I did see Limbo in Berlin, oh, and wow, wow. Ivan has done another masterpiece, mm. masterpiece. Yes. Oh my god, it's yeah. just I weep with joy at these incredible filmmakers we have here in Australia. We are so lucky. And I actually said to my wife the other night when I showed her the Limbo trailer, I said, you don't understand, when a new Ivan Sen film comes out, to us Australian cinephiles, it's like a new Steven Spielberg film coming out or a new Martin it's Scorsese exactly film. exactly right. Yeah. And um, Katie Miller, my DP, came to, to Berlin with us and um, she got to sit down with Ivan, which was the most joyous moment in her life. Yes, and yes. she got to tell him that one of the things that she says 
when it's like the last light and that she goes, oh, let's do an Ivan. Yeah. Um, and she got to share that with him. And he was so like, oh, that's so lovely. Like it wasn't like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. It was like this genuine joy between cinematographers um, celebrating their craft together. And it was yeah. just such a, I was really, I was really happy <laughs> for that uh, moment to happen. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. And I've spoken to Ivan a few times and he is a very, very humble man. And uh, much like yourself, actually, Jabba, you've been an absolute joy to speak with here. Uh, I can't thank oh, you thank enough you. for sharing your stories with us. Um, I, I really look forward to our listeners being able to listen to this one and seeing Sweet As as well. Uh, Jab, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been really enjoyable chatting with you, actually. Thanks for listening. Find all the latest Australian film news at cinemaaustralia.com.au. You can follow Cinema Australia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok.